right. All right, come on. <laughs> Everybody channel your inner Jesus and Mero. Mm-hmm. Let's roll. Trumpito. <laughs> Talking spicy again today on CNN. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bar Podcast. It's your boy, Jay Reed, and I'm chilling with PM. Yo. And, and Jesse. What's I going on, guys? I almost said AB for some reason. Oh, man. We oh, all look alike. No, no, pour no. out a little non-alcoholic beer for our friend Anderson <laughs> Bun. He's probably not even listening. I know a lot of Christians <laughs> who drink non-alcoholic beer. Anderson's cool with that. <laughs> hey, you know. Keep them away. <laughs> and uh, today's the title for today's episode is Triple D's. Triple D's. We're getting perfectly provocative today. <laughs> <laughs> we came up with this uh, title for the podcast, and uh, I said Triple D's, and Jesse went, I like it. It's perfectly provocative. and uh, Like us. Like us. And you know what, guys? We are perfectly provocative. That's what we are. And that's what we are aiming to bring you with every episode. Perfected provocativity. We're walking a thin line. <laughs> walking, walking a very thin line. Walking a thin line. Walking on thin ice. Let's go. All right. What do we, what do we got today, Jay Reed? What are we talking uh, about? Talking about leadership, but more specifically the difference between... Doing, developing, and delegating. Hence the triple D's. That is that is what we're talking about today. And uh and planning the episode we were well, just kind of figuring out what we were gonna talk about. Yeah, because we don't um, plan episodes anymore. Because we don't plan episodes <laughs> at all. Um, we just shoot from the hip. Absolutely. Uh PM, you said that when you first wanted when you were first becoming a preacher, um, you had a I am list. Totally. Rather than a to-do list. Yeah. And I want you to explain kind of your reasoning behind that. Totally. I think for most people, they start and end their days with their to-do list. Mm -hmm. And um, not that I didn't have a to-do list, but when I was really young, you know, you know, my college age years, when, when I was really trying to formulate who I was as a person, I knew that anything that I built or any team that I led or any organization that I was at the helm of was going to be a result of the foundation of my life, yeah. which was not going to be predicated on what I could do, but it was going to be predicated upon who I was, mm. who I am as a person. Yeah. And so there were lots of things about me that I knew needed to change. I think a lot of us buy into this myth that who you are is permanent. And that's just not true. You know, I, I was telling our team this story uh, a couple weeks back is that when I first moved to the South, okay, which I love now, I love sweet tea. I love food truck rodeos. I love chicken and waffles. I love the South. But I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I would pay money for Jesse's accent. Jesse has my favorite Southern accent. I don't ever I've I've never understood what that means, but uh It's not too heavy. Like there aren't places I couldn't go. It's not <laughs> limiting in any way. Your accent is perfect. It's like, it's just a slight Southern drawl. You know what I'm right. saying? It's, it's culturally it's neutral. It's, in, it's not, charming. Yeah. It's charming. It's not like, oh, God, I need to run. <laughs> it's not like, I don't feel like I'm going to get in your beat up seat? as a black person. I just feel like. <laughs> That's great to know. <laughs> I just that feel like. That is great to know. My life would be what? super awkward. <laughs> if that Especially was the working case. at World Overcomers if everybody felt like. Especially being married to the woman you're married to. I was about to say, if I went home and the woman I was married to decided she needed to run. Yeah. (laughs) 
you your accent is just very like ah i like that i like that so anyway <sighs> anyway um i like that ma'am um <laughs> uh dude i lost my train of thought jesse's accent jesse's accent moving because we were talking when i moved here from yes. the, from boston um i remember one time our md johnny white he came up to me and he said hey dude the band like all the musicians you know the drummer the, the guitar players like all of them they don't think you like them mm. and i said to johnny i said why would they think that i don't even talk to them <laughs> johnny says back to me man i think that's probably the problem <laughs> now me coming from boston not talking to someone meant i don't have an issue with you yeah i don't have a problem with you you don't have a problem with me you're not even on my radar let alone for me not to like you. I'm slightly offended because I'm from the South. Exactly. But guess what I had to do? I had to change because that wasn't a permanent part of who I am. Yeah. I had to become friendly because that matched the purpose that God had for my life, my calling. I was purposed. I was called to live in North Carolina, and I was purposed to be a pastor, and I was called to be effective in the context that I'm in, which means that I had to change. And sometimes I think change comes so hard because we believe at some level that a lot of the things that we do are hardwired into who we are as people. Yeah. So then changing is almost offensive, mm -hmm. right? And so I have to get defensive when someone tells me to change because I somehow believe that me not talking to people or being from Boston is a part of who I am. And so I just want to start out by saying, you know, I've, I've tried to be intentional about working on who I am as a person and then holding all those attributes with an open with an open hand yeah. and not a closed fist. And there are tons, tons of things about me that are up for change, that can change. And um, until I reach perfection, until I am resurrected, <laughs> I'm being dead yeah. serious, until Jesus comes back yeah. and I'm resurrected, I will be changing. Yeah. I will be transforming until I am finally transformed into a, a sinless version, a perfect version of who I am. And so I'm always down for improving. And really the focus is focusing on who I am, not what I do. And here's the, here's the quote, because doing is draining. For sure. Doing 100%. is draining. I know a lot of people who have to, Constantly do, 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 pretend, pretend, pretend. I did not pretend to be friendly. I became friendly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very different. And a lot of leaders get tired because you're constantly having to do. You have a version of yourself who you are at home. You have a version of yourself that you are at church. You have a version of yourself that you are with your other pastor buddies. You got a version of yourself. And my thing is, I, I just can't play that game because that's just draining for right. me. And I just need to be who I am. And what I do becomes an overflow of who I am. Yeah. And I am naturally critical. So when I walk into a room, I have things to say about how it's set up because that's a part of who I am. And focusing way more on who I am as a person than what I do because, man, when I have to just perform and when I have to do stuff, I am tired at the end of the day. But yeah. right now, we're recording 
and it's 7.45 at night, and I'm still full of energy. And we've been here for three hours. We've been here, we for, been three here for three hours. hours. I worked a full day, and I'm still full of energy because this is a part of who I am. Yeah. I am a creative. I am someone who likes to converse. I am a communicator. These are parts of who I am. And so, and I'm around people who I get to just be myself around. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to be a version of me. The reason that being Pastor Manny's not difficult is because I am a pastor. Yeah. That's not a role. <laughs> That's not a mask that I put on when I walk into the church. Right. <laughs> I am a pastor. And so, doing is draining. Doing is really, 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 really draining. And people can tell when you are putting on a mask. And as people, our biggest commodity is being able to connect with other people. Right. Yeah. And when we have a mask, your your best version of you cannot connect with other people. Yeah. The only version of you that can connect with other people is your authentic true self. So focusing on identity and not focusing on what we do, but focusing on who we are. And um, let's just transition into some practical stuff. And I want I want to get Jesse involved in the convo so that everybody can hear his awesome Southern drawl. Um, <laughs> is I think that, and, and I think we can all relate in this room, is that when you first become the leader, there's a certain amount of doing, which is our first D, mm -hmm. that you just have to do. Yeah. For sure. What doesn't matter what it is. There's just tasks that have to be accomplished. There's some doing that has to be done. And then you move into the second D, which is delegating. Yeah. Can you talk about delegating a bit? Yeah, delegating's an interesting uh term uh to me because I, I have recently heard people talk about delegating as though it's leading. Yeah. So yeah. it's the final step in leading. Because I can delegate I recently heard someone say, well, I delegate well, so I'm a good leader. <laughs> and I thought, well, that that doesn't seem to make much sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... But that's widely accepted. It is certainly widely accepted. Um, but as we talked about it, I think we, uh, we did come up with the fact that it's necessary. Yeah. Delegating is necessary in the leadership journey mm -hmm. and understanding how to do that, um, but how to do it effectively mm -hmm. um, as part of the process is is the key. And it's better than doing everything yourself. It is definitely better than doing everything <laughs> yourself. <laughs> so it's not like it's not like you're just an idiot for delegating. I mean, you get no, some no, points no. here, yeah. you know. But I think there's a third there's a third level. Yep. That we that I think we've touched on and I think we've scratched the surface on at One Life. Yo, here's the thing that I love about our podcast. You wanna know what I love about our podcast? What do you love about our podcast? We're not like a bunch of like fifty year old dudes who have just accomplished everything. Yeah. And now we're just like giving you wisdom after thirty five years of, of experience. <laughs> yeah. I think this is like live leadership. We're giving it to you as we figure it out. For we're, sure. Yeah. We we kind of put it out there. Like I learned this this week. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's the cool thing about the, this podcast is like, I'm I'm the oldest person in the room. I'm 30, and it's just live leadership. Yeah, wisdom from three dudes who are just leading on a on a week to week basis. And so, anyway, sorry for that tangent. What's <laughs> no. our What's our what What's the third D 
in our triple, triple D. D equation. The third D is developing. Yeah. So if you're going to delegate, I think at the same time, you have to uh, figure out how to develop the people that you are delegating to. Yeah. Um, you know, this is an example that I've sort of watched from afar mm-hmm. um, is as we have seen Anthony grow. Totally. Um, Anthony oversees the outreach uh, portion of our One Life ministry. Yeah. And it's been super fun to, to you know, know Anthony uh, when he first came around and interact with him and then watch you delegate a task to him uh, that was so important to the growth of our youth ministry, mm-hmm. which yeah. is growing the outreach portion of that ministry. Um, but you you first gave him a task. You delegated to him something that showed him that you trusted him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then as he felt that you trusted him, that opened up the door for you to develop him. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, I know that Justin and I can say is something you've done with us for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think to when it's happening to you, it kind of sneaks up on you. You don't necessarily realize it's happening. Totally. Right. Um, but to, because our group of guys um, are so close knit. To watch it happen to someone like Anthony, you realize, yeah. oh, none of that's happening to me. But we've seen it be in direct correlation to the growth of our youth ministry, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And now I've been on the receiving end of a leader thinking that they were developing me, but mm. really all they were doing was delegating tasks to me. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, because – and I've been in this in this situation where I assumed that because I was delegating to someone – I was developing them. Mm. Yeah. However, that is that is incomplete because I remember for a season, um, like the the one of the pastors that I was serving under delegated that I'd preach like every Friday night at this youth group. Mm-hmm. They delegated that task, but they did not develop me. The crowd developed my skill. <laughs> the audio team helped develop me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got developed as a result, as a byproduct of receiving a delegated task. Yeah. But there's a big difference between me delegating outreach to Anthony and then students developing him, mm-hmm. Dr. Logan, the principal at Hillside, developing him. And me actually coaching him yeah. and developing him. Right. I think that sometimes we think that the task is going to develop the leader. Or that the That's responsibilities good. that come along with the task right. that we've delegated will develop the leader. However, that is true. But as the person who's received the delegation, I will then not be attached to the leader. I will be attached to the task. And I've learned that I can't just delegate responsibilities, but I have to develop leaders so that at the end of it, the person really feels like, oh, my gosh, PM has spent this time developing my personal life. So my questions to Anthony aren't necessarily how many kids were there. Right. Yeah. Uh, what'd you guys do? Mm-hmm. What'd you talk about? My questions are, yo, man, when do you want to get married? Right, right. What are we going to do about this degree? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
yo, what what's the interest rate on the car on the car that you just financed? Mm-hmm. That's me developing him. Yeah, the task will ensure that's really good that he grows in that area. But me developing you, like for instance, our relationship is like, all right, now play play back what you said to your wife. Right. <laughs> Wait, why'd you say that? <laughs> me, the developing part is 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 bigger than what the task can do. Yeah. In and of itself. And and I think that's where as a leader you start to really get buy in. And this is something that it's funny that you bring up Anthony because when Anthony first came to and this is perfectly provocative, when <laughs> Anthony first came to North Carolina and started serving at One Life, Anthony has a phenomenal gift to sing. He mm-hmm. has an incredible gift to lead worship. And he was kind of upset because he wasn't on stage and he wasn't leading worship. And I said, hey, man, like if I put you on stage because I needed you to sing, that would be the equivalent of me pimping your gift. Mm. Yeah. Why would I prostitute your gift and not care about you as a person? You're mad that you haven't sang on stage. Wow. But really, you should be happy because you're finally following someone Who's leading you from a place of, I don't need you. Yeah. I like you and I love you. And I'd rather focus on the depths of your soul than on your stage gifts. I don't care. Right. I don't care if you can sing. And sometimes I think as people, we get frustrated because we think that our best commodities are what we do. Mm, That's good. And, And not realizing that just because someone doesn't want what you do. That doesn't mean they're rejecting who you are. Wow. And I've been in situations where people don't want me necessarily because I can preach. They want me to be their friend. Mm-hmm. And they're not rejecting what I do. They just want to actually love who I am yeah. as a person. And and I take that any day, any day over someone who's only attracted to me or solely attracted to me or initially attracted to me because of something I can do. Mm. And I think we're hardwired as people to be performers and and not just resting in the identity that we have in Christ. Right. And that not just be a cliche, but actually like lived out. Yeah. I went well, on another tangent there. Well, it, it's funny that we're kind of talking about this because you and I, what was it, maybe Tuesday we were kind of talking about this, uh, having leaders not connected to um, not connected to their task or their job bringing mm-hmm. I, I mean to stay on the Anthony example you you didn't Anthony wasn't brought onto our team because he was gonna we knew he was gonna be outstanding at outreach exactly yeah. we You're right he wasn't we don't recruit people because we see them excelling in one area of the church totally. and, and want them to bring that to one life. We, we may see them excelling in an area and we just recognize them as talented. Yeah. Know, yeah. Right. Which, and I think, I, th- I actually think that, that that's actually good when we, when we start thinking about one life and the prominent leaders in one life, mm-hmm. because none of the leaders that are in prominent roles in our ministry were brought on and put in that role initially. <laughs> For exactly. <sure. laughs> We've all had 12 different responsibilities and yeah. Like I I went from a small group leader to a tribe leader to a 12 deep leader to then 
being in being over the services totally yeah. same it, thing with low with with low with anthony with, with anthony, jesse with jesse yeah like, yeah all, like everyone has just done we yeah. we we started to transition once we started to transition out of what we think we can do and just stepping into low really loves people mm-hmm. yeah low really loves her small group yeah Lowe's low has just a she just has a good mothering spirit yeah for all the listeners out there, Lo is our small groups coordinator. Yes, and my girl, and um, <laughs> we 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 put her in a position where she wasn't just doing. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just doing small groups on a Wednesday. Yeah, we put her in a position to be who she was and to create a nest for all the other smaller mm-hmm. nests inside inside exactly. a small group. Exactly. We put Anthony in a position where. He wasn't just in charge of one small group. Yeah. And giving him giving him the opportunity to just build relationships. Yeah. To be evangelical. Yeah. That's one of his that's that that's his that's his at least one of his spiritual gifts. Yeah, yeah. He's very evangelical. He's a he's a gatherer. Yeah. Which is which puts him in a position where he can reach out to people and people respond to him. Yeah. And not just him reach out and 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 not get responses. Yeah, yeah. Um, like all of us, we, we, op- we started operating best in who we were as people. Yeah. I'm a thinker. I'm yeah. not even analytical. You're <laughs> analytical by nature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So me being a small group leader wasn't the best position for me because mm-hmm. I was just doing. Yeah. yeah. But once I got to be who I was, we saw services get better. We saw things start to move smoother. Mm-hmm. Like it was all, it, it was all a part of being yeah and not doing yeah yeah it's huge so uh, we got four practical steps for you as a leader if you want to go from and it's, these are kind of commu- cumulative that word's always hard for me cumulative um we're saying that ground level leadership you just got to do stuff you just yeah. have to yeah when i first got hired at the church to be the youth pastor there was just stuff that had to get done and you just spend Eight hours a day at the office, just like getting stuff done. You just start doing things, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start delegating tasks. You start getting some buy-in from people. You can delegate tasks, and then you can get more things done. Yep. Yeah. But you then realize, okay, the greatest task is not a task. The greatest tasks are people. Yeah. And the people, I can't delegate a person to be better. <laughs> I cannot say... Hey, Jesse, <laughs> have joy, right? Like that's <laughs> right. not a delegatable thing. Yeah. That has to be developed. That's us going to Starbucks every Tuesday morning yep. and really starting to develop just who you are. Personality. Jesse didn't even like teenagers when he first started serving. <laughs> yeah, which which I, I think is joking and not joking. I think it's important to recognize that uh, I think sometimes in youth ministry, and there was definitely a time where we were in youth ministry, we were like, "All right, everybody's got they they just gotta love teenagers." Like, yeah. And, and and then we, but then we started to figure out like, "All right, well, we definitely want you to get along with teenagers, <laughs> and and we hope that you can be a small group leader." But hey, if you've got great administrative skills, we those can use those too. Too. Yeah. All of my interactions with teenagers are like twenty two seconds. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? High school? Cool. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Um, <laughs> now 
Where was I? What was I thinking? We were talking okay, about me the, not liking teenagers. Yeah, but <laughs> at the end changed. of the day, me and Tia just liked who you were. Right. We liked you as a person. And my thing is, ah, you may not be able to do what we're asking you to do, but we like who you are right. and we like what you bring, the yeah. chemistry that you bring to the table. And so you got to do, then you got to delegate. And then uh, I think the for us at this stage in the game, everything I know at 30 helps me to realize, but I really got to develop people. Yeah. And, uh, and people are our greatest commodity. And people is the whole reason that I'm in ministry, to save the souls and the lives and the purpose and the trajectories of people. Yeah. So yeah. here's what I've come up with as four ways to help develop people. And uh, here we go. Numero uno. You've got to have uh, constructive conversations with people. At some level, at some level, if we're going to push, push people forward, if we're going to develop people, there is not a person on the team that I have not had a confrontation with that is constructive in nature. Now, here's the difference between a coach and a critic, mm-hmm. right? A critic stops right there. They're going to have a confrontation or some type of conversation, and that's where it ends. A coach goes to the second step, and then obviously the third step and the fourth step, and here's what a coach does. A coach gives constructive criticism, and then a coach gives an opportunity for that person to put what was said into practice. This is huge. Because if I give Justin feedback, if I give Justin some criticism, and then I take away the responsibilities <laughs> that I had originally given Justin, all I'm saying is, yeah, I don't trust you. I had this conversation with you, but really the conversation was a waste <laughs> of time because I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Yeah. At some point when you're developing people, you take the risk where you go, hey, man. I need you to be better at this. And then I give you an opportunity to be better at whatever that this is. And here's the clincher. Here's number three. I've got to observe the opportunity. Yeah. I could give you an opportunity to do something all the day long, but if I'm not there to see it, like I gave Anthony some good feedback on his stage presence on his teaching and preaching skills. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't able to be at One Life when he preached for the first time. And so he got invited to preach at another church. And it was a Saturday. I was tired. But I made sure I went, not just because he wanted to feel supported, whatever. (laughs) I went so that I could observe to see whether or not he put those skills, that conversation, into practice. Right. Yeah. And then after you observe... You got to give feedback, which sometimes is hard because sometimes the feedback is, hey. Can you need to listen? You, <laughs> you didn't do anything that I told you to do. You didn't do what I told you to do. <laughs> okay, so step one, two, kinda, and three. Kind of like this Justice League movie. Have you all heard about what's going on with that? Mm-mm. They, they, they screened it. Okay. And the critic said it was so bad that they actually pushed the movie back to reproduce it. Okay. A full-fledged movie. That's crazy. The studio took it back 
and pushed back the release date. Golly. Because the critics said it was so bad. Yeah. They gave the they gave the criticism because I was thinking about it when you said the cr- critic critics versus coaching. Yeah. The critics gave it like one star out yeah. of 10. Yeah. They had to they had to take the criticism that they got and do and, something and, with it. and do something with it. Yeah. And I think it's still going to suck because I am <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, sometimes when you're developing people, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Is you give someone constructive criticism, then you give them an opportunity to change, and then you observe that opportunity. And then sometimes someone can make such minimal progress that you don't even want to have a conversation, a feedback, and I'm going to help you right there. You can't be frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't be frustrated. You can't. This is a part of the process. This is what you signed up for. Yeah. This is the reason you're in ministry. You don't think Jesus had multiple conversations with Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Right? There's this, hey, it's okay. And I know for me, my personality type, you know, sometimes I get tired of, like, being repetitive, but Mm -hmm. it's okay. I've been repetitive with everybody who's on our team. And at some point, people get it or they leave. One or the other happens. One or the other. One is just as beneficial as the other sometimes. I mean, it's okay. But for the people that get it, they got it. Because they finally told themselves that that thing needed to change. Yeah. And they owned it. They mm-hmm. really, really, really did own it. And so you got to have a constructive conversation. Not a, not a, not from a critic standpoint, but from a coach. Like, hey, you do this really well. Like when, Ant- when I was giving Anthony critique about being unorganized, I told him, you're too gifted to have an Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Like you're you you have too many gifts yeah. to suck in this area. <laughs> this is very unfortunate because everyone will throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. No one is gonna just deal with your weaknesses because your gifts are so outstanding. Nah, man, we can just get somebody else who's gifted who doesn't have all these weaknesses. So it's gonna be unfortunate that this is gonna be the thing that just like is your undoing. Because that would be a huge injustice to all of your gifts. Yeah. And so a, a real constructive conversation where the person leaves believing in themselves, not leaves like, oh, this guy hates me, you know? <laughs> and then an opportunity for change. You observe the opportunity. And, and sometimes that's difficult because I got to put myself in a place where I can really, really see whether or not the person has changed or the person is owning that change and putting it into practice and then giving feedback. Because, man, nothing feels better than a leader realizing that I've made some changes, Mm -hmm. like positive changes. And then just the reward of hearing, like, yo, good job. Yeah. Yo, I saw you handled this so much different than you handled it last month. Yo, I'm proud of you. Great job. Keep it up. Yo, like, that's huge. So for the people listening, how do you have the initial coaching conversation? The initial, like you talking about the confrontation sandwich. The, I mean, yeah. how, however, however, the, really quickly. Well, I'm not going to give the answer to that, but I would like to hear kind of from both sides, the giving and the receiving. Okay. Because because sometimes the receiving end is obviously more difficult. Yeah. Totally. But I think that 
if we don't know how to receive it, then we could be missing out on an opportunity to really improve. Totally. Now, okay, receiving criticism is something I've learned as a receiver of criticism. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I grew up in a culture that was heavy on, like, criticism. Mm -hmm. So, like, I grew up under a ministry at Jubilee Christian Church, and Bishop Thompson taught us how to preach. The way that he taught us how to preach is we did seven-minute sermons, Mm -hmm. and, like, he'd grade us right there. So we'd be there with all of our peers, me and Brian Bullock. You can refer to older episodes, my best friend, Brian Bullock. We'd be in preaching class together, and one time Bishop got up and he said, Now, now, I'm not necessarily grading anybody out here, but, 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 what Brian did, oh, that's an A. Uh, that, that was an A++. Plus plus. Uh, yeah, that was an A. And I'm just sitting there like, now I have two decisions. I have a decision to make. I can either get my feelings Mm-hmm. And suck at preaching for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I can get my feelings and get all defensive, or I can and, man up mm-hmm. and Ooh. take the criticism and get better. And get better. Yep. But I care too much about my future and about my calling and about my purpose than to get all sensitive. Yeah. Because it's not personal. Mm. It's not personal. That's good. L- preaching is something I do. But the moment I think it's something I am, I will now protect it at all costs. Nope, no, 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 no. Can't critique this because this is a part of who I am. Yeah. No, it's just what you do. Just put it out there. Let someone poke holes in it. It's not a part of who you are. But we carry our gifts around Mm. and we wrap our egos around it and try Mm. to protect it. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. No one can critique what you do. That's crazy. Bishop Thompson, whoo, Bishop Thompson, okay, we would be, he would let us preach for like the Wednesday night Bible study. There'd be like, you know, four or 500 people in the crowd. And one time I was, I'm preaching, I'm going in, you know, I'm getting, I'm sweating. I'm like, <laughs> I'm working up a sweat, you know, I'm going for it. And I misquoted a scripture. I said, first Corinthians instead of second Corinthians. Bishop Thompson stands up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, in the brother. middle of a service. In the middle of the service. While I'm preaching. <laughs> while I'm preaching. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, hey, hey, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, souls are at stake. Pretty much, souls are at flagging me down so I can stop. I stop. He said, "Brother, brother, Manny said, uh, First Corinthians five twenty-two. What he meant was Second Corinthians five twenty-two. And then he quotes it. He quotes the verse. <laughs> and, it, and then he goes, "Okay, okay. Now, 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 everybody, clap, clap for brother Manny. He's doing a good job. He's doing a good job." <laughs> like, and, and so everybody starts clapping, and you better, you better not act like he threw you out your groove. Yeah. If you get all sensitive, you'll never preach again. Hmm. If you act like. As soon as he says, now, now, cover it up, you better go right back in. (laughs) And then afterwards, you better say thank you. Thanks, Bishop. Yeah. But what we've done is we've given out all these participation trophies Mm. to all these millennials that have been mothered their whole life. And they've never had a dad that goes, I think you could have done better. And then just walked in their room. We've had all these moms who just coddle us and tell us, oh, that was awesome. That was incredible. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It sucked. It sucked. What are you talking about? It wasn't incredible. It wasn't that good. I'm not impressed. Right. We've never had anyone to actually, like, be hard on us. So we're super, super sensitive. 
about everything. And now I'm on a whole different soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that if I react emotionally, if I react super sensitive to the critique that I'm receiving, then the person who actually has wisdom to give me will stop giving it to me because it takes too much time That's to good. actually critique me. Yeah. Pastor Andy knows if he's got something to say to me, he can say it in under five minutes. There's no, well, can you name the last time I did that? Well, can you give me an example? No, no. <laughs> I don't need examples. I don't need you to prove it to me. Just tell me what you got to say. Yeah. Go for it. Because if, 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 it, if it turns into an hour-long conversation, all I've said is I don't respect the person's time who's coaching me right now. Mm -hmm. and, but, you don't and you don't trust them. And either. I don't trust them. And I don't trust them. That's a huge word. Trust. Trust. No one's out to get you. <laughs> no one's out to get you. I mean, maybe people, maybe trolls. And you if, know you, if, if you think the leader that you're receiving criticism from is out to get you, you, you need to shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> then what and are you doing? There? I, I'm saying this as a fault. I'm, I'm saying this as someone who's, who's behind a leader. Yeah. If, if I didn't trust PM, Good God, we wouldn't be 20 episodes in on the podcast. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if I feel like, like even today, like you sent me a video for the recap last night and I gave you critique over text. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? If I felt like, okay, now I've got to critique Justin. I'm over here walking on eggshells. <laughs> then then it would, we would just scrap it. Yeah. It's not worth the hassle. It's just not worth the hassle. If I feel like every time I've got something to say, I've got to like... Uh, I've got to stroke your ego a little bit and yeah. get you, get you, get you happy. I got to do, I got to do the confrontation sandwich. You know what I'm saying? And, and the confrontation sandwich works. The confrontation sandwich is, you know, you give a compliment, you give confrontation, that's the meat, and you give a compliment at the end, that's the bread. You know, it's the confrontation sandwich. It's cool if I don't have a good relationship with somebody. Yeah. And it's cool to just deposit before I withdraw. Mm -hmm. It's great. But sometimes in the in the name of convenient, it's not convenient. Right. There are times where Pastor Andy has to say something to me in between services on a Sunday. That's not the time to have a long conversation. That's the time <laughs> to listen. And if I have questions, I can I can ask those questions next week. Right. But I'm not offended. Then I'm in my feelings. I've had leaders who like, you know, I'll say something difficult to them and they'll be sulking through the whole service. It's like, come on, boo-boo. <laughs> come on. Now, to give confrontation, you build trust. Yeah. You got to build trust. Yeah. And and even me and Jesse have talked about this because my the way I grew up was super confrontational, and, and not everyone grows up that way. Especially in the South. Especially in the South. Yeah. And I understand that, but... And, but... And I really do mean but. Mm -hmm. But for fast-paced teams, for teams that move at a high speed, yeah. and our church and our youth group is definitely like, yeah. it's yep. high speed. For sure. We're not, we're not a slow-paced because... We're not holding hands. We're not holding each other's hands. You know what I'm saying? We're it's just like, running at it. Because you, you can't hold hands and run. Yeah. We just got to go. You know, yeah. we just got to go. And if you're going to be a part of a fast-paced environment, then... That means that the criticism is also really fast-paced, and there's got to be enough trust that I have between me and the person who's giving me critique 
where I can just, I can really hear it. And there's always time after the fact. I like to communicate pre-stress, post-stress. Mm. So like our service on a Wednesday night, that's stress. Any event, that's stress. If, if I'm communicating in stress and there's changes that need to be made or there's friction, it's cool. But like once the event is over, that's the right time to say, hey, you kind of said this. It made me feel this way. Yeah. What did you really mean? You know what yeah. I'm saying? But hey, I can deal with my feelings. Dealing with my feelings is always optional. <laughs> that's good that is really you know what I'm good. saying like i don't have to address my feelings right now right i'm not gonna forget how i feel yeah and I, if you do it probably wasn't that big of a deal thank you <laughs> i can i can move forward in the moment move forward move past it i'm not gonna overthink it i'm not gonna stress out about it i'm not gonna be anxious about what was said i'm gonna okay cool i feel this way drop a pin drop a pin in it yeah and, yo, at the end of the night, tomorrow, hey, you know, I just want to kind of ask you, okay, like, when you said this, and, and I have a lot of people who do this with me because sometimes I make, like, extreme statements, and they have to learn that I speak in hyperbole, mm -hmm. so they have to really come back and ask, like, now, when you said that I suck, <laughs> did you really mean that I suck? And I'm like... Are you stupid? No, I didn't mean you suck. And I was like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Yeah. I did not mean, I didn't, look, man, I think this is really what I think. But learning, you got to, as a leader, you got to learn mm -hmm. who can take, who can take that and then who yeah. can't. And yeah. then that's a part of development. Right. Because some people, you have to develop thick skin in them. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. I think that's important to note. Because that's your story. That is definitely my story. It, I, I don't naturally have thick skin. But what grew it in me was that I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded with a bunch of people that I trust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, obviously... You know, am I? There's other things that I do where I'm not always going to be surrounded by people that I trust. Mm -hmm. But then I revert to, it's not personal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's rarely personal because I've gotten some criticism from some. I've gotten criticism from all types of people. I've received criticism from people that I love and trust. Right. Like Pastor Andy. I receive criticism from people that are actually criticizing me. People that do not like me. Mm -hmm. And I still have to ask, well, are they right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you could hate me, but and you may be accurate in what you're saying about me. And P.H. said this last week. Pastor Andy literally said this last week. Are you offended by truth or are you offended by style? Yeah. Mm. And then there's a third category of people that don't hate me and they don't love me. They don't really know me, but they're right about something that they see about me. Yeah. And I've had a lot of those conversations. With people like, you know, new people that I respect, but haven't built that relationship yet. Mm -hmm. So, like, people like Pastor Chris or, like, Pastor Adam, people that when I was, like, younger, like, I knew them, I respected them, and right out the gate, they're going to come out and tell you something about yourself. Right. Yeah. And they don't really know me, but they have enough discernment and they're wise enough to see, hey, sure. your shirt's untucked. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
hey, there's something. I remember one of the first times Pastor Chris Hill, he was like, you know, I was asking him why I wasn't taken more seriously. And he said, well, you're dressed like a teenager. <laughs> uh, we didn't know each other that well. And he said, you need to go get some suits. And when you, when you go to church, put on a suit and a tie and do that for six months and see if parents respond to you differently. Now, I could have got all defensive. Well, well, this is cool, and I like how I dress, and and all you know, all the all the normal things that millennial leaders say. Yeah, well, you can't tell me how to dress. Who are you? You're you, old. You're Pharisee. <laughs> da, 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 da. You know. <laughs> but guess what I did? Every disqual. You could have said every disqualifying statement to yep. to take it away. Exactly. But you know what I did? I went and got some suits, and I wore suits to church on on Sundays for a couple of months. And parents started treating me differently. He was right. <laughs> Do I like the reality that he was describing? No, not necessarily. But he's right. Yeah. Do I like the reality that my dad described to me when I went to an all-white school for the first time? The first time I went to Lexington Christian Academy, my father said these words to me. Just know, son, that in order for you to be respected as intelligent, you're going to have to be smarter than all the white kids in school. Do I like that reality? No, I don't like it. But if I deny its validity, then I limit my own potential. Yeah. It's true. The statement is true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. In order for me to be respected as intelligent, I cannot be equal. I have to be better because the cards are stacked against me. That is true. Whether or not I like it is irrelevant. I don't have to like something for it to be true. And once I know the truth, the truth then has the ability to set me free. That's good. And I used that all through school. I knew, okay, it takes this level for you to, to, for you to be excellent. Well, it takes more from me. I got to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I got to make a two-hour journey all the way to school. You get to drive down the street. And I have, to, I have to hustle in high school. I have to do homework on a bus, on a train, before I even get home. All it's taught me to do is just be better. Yeah, yeah. I may not like the reality, but once I say, well, no, that's not fair. Okay, keep saying, keep complaining. <laughs> Go ahead, keep complaining about whatever it is that someone's telling you. It's not like it's going to go away. Once you realize, look, I'm playing on a basketball court, and there are rules to this court. Doesn't matter if I like the rules. Doesn't matter if I came up with the rules. Once I realize what the rules are, I have to play according to those rules. I can't start fighting with the refs. And there's certain things that are just, they just are what they are. LeBron gets to take five steps. Yeah. And I don't. And that's just reality. And I had to wear a suit in order to get respect. But the moment I disqualify the person's advice because they're old school or because they're this or because they're that is the moment I've hindered, not them, I've hindered myself. That's good. And that is sad because millennials, we think we can build our own world. Mm. Mm. We think we can build an alternative court and play this this other game. Yeah. 
And that's just not the case. That's not reality. That's good. Podcast got deep today. Podcast got deep today, and I and I love it. I th- we're running right around an hour. We should split this. this. No, but, well, we're no. running about fifty minutes. Okay, running about fifty minutes. But if you made it, if you made it this far, thank you very much. And uh, we we'll look we look forward to providing you with some more stuff. And uh, actually, after this, you should hear. Be on the lookout for Thursdays. We're going to be dropping some new content on Thursdays, additionally um, to the Monday podcast. Dope. So we look forward to continuing to see you. And uh, at this at this upcoming bar event on October 12th, 12th, Pastor Ontario Green, all the way from Dallas, Texas, all the way from Dallas, Texas. Um, We look forward to, to hanging out with you guys and and seeing seeing you. Hearing from you, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Peace. Peace. Peace.